The following is a sermon from Pastor Timothy Borman and Sure Foundation, a church located in Woodside, Queens, New York, the world's most diverse community. For more information and for more audio content, go to sure-foundation.org. Our sermon lesson is based on our gospel lesson that we already read in full view of the public here this morning, right underneath the seven train. I think that was a very special moment. I, if you'd like, uh, you're also invited to open up your Bibles. I know I haven't asked you to do that in a long, long time, but you can do that on your cell phones or there's Bibles right in front of you if you didn't bring your Bible along. Because I am going to be referring to what happens right before Jesus marches into Jerusalem, actually what happens right after it. And what, what, we're, what I'm going to attempt to do, what I'm going to attempt to do is bring Palm Sunday to you in a, in a brand new way uh, using Matthew's gospel. I'm not going to reread the whole gospel right now, but I do want to just pick up verses 4 and 5 because those are going to be really, really key verses for us here this morning. So we'll read that again from Matthew chapter 21. And we're going to be picking up on the context here as well. So this is what the evangelist Matthew records for us here today on Palm Sunday. He says this. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophets. Say to the daughter of Zion, See, your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. This is the word of the Lord. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. This isn't going to be news to you, but from little, little on, we've actually been taught that crowd following is bad. Right? This is what we've been taught. And there's all kinds of secular proverbs out there that that teach this to us, like secular proverbs like, don't follow the crowd. If you follow the crowd, you'll probably get lost in it. And, and there's different proverbs. One of my favorites is, be yourself, everyone else is taken. So this is, this is sort of something that is running in our culture, that crowd following is bad. There's one, another one of my favorites is there, there's this parable, and it takes the form of a cartoon. And there's all these sheep that are running. And, and this little cute little gray sheep says to this cute little brown sheep, where are we going? And the other sheep responds and says, I don't know, but it must be good. <laughs> and then you see these sheep just running off a cliff to their death. And so, you know, it's there to teach us that this idea of crowd following is actually probably not such a good idea. And you, and you get this idea from the evangelist Matthew as well, that maybe, just maybe, the crowd doesn't know what it's doing. I mean, consider this. Consider what happens right before Palm Sunday. And if you have your Bibles open, you're going to see this. Jesus is traveling from Jericho to Jerusalem, and there's this giant crowd that's following him. And these two blind men begin to shout and call out, 
Jesus, son of David, have mercy on us. And you know what the crowd shouts? They shout, shut up. That's what they do. They say, shut up. Jesus doesn't want to hear this. And you know what Jesus does? He ignores the shouts of the crowd. He goes over these two blind men and he heals them. Just this amazing moment that teaches us something about Jesus and also something about following the crowd. That's what happens right before Palm Sunday. You notice what happens right after Palm Sunday? The whole city is stirred, and this is in our gospel lesson, the whole city is stirred, and they begin to ask this question. This is verse 10. Who is this? And here's what the crowds answer. This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Now that might not seem like such a bad answer, but when you compare it with Peter's from Matthew chapter 16, it's really, really bad. Because they they're not saying, this is Jesus the King. They're not saying, Jesus, this is Jesus the Son of God. They're not saying, this is Jesus the Savior from all sin. What they say is what Islam can say. This is Jesus the Prophet. And so this is what we know about the crowd, both before and after. What we have in the crowd is a bunch of mean people. And we have a crowd that is utterly confused about the identity of Jesus, the King. And so right here, right here, if you really think about it, this is where we have a Palm Sunday dilemma. Have you ever thought about this? Should we join the crowd? Should we? Should, we, should we lift up the holy name of Jesus on Palm Sunday? Should we throw palm branches down? Should we join the crowd that is mean and that is confused about the identity of Jesus? And this is something I've struggled with this question for years. And this week I, I prayed about it. I thought about it for hours. I, it got me up early in the morning, kept me up late at night. I read, I read, and I read. What kind of spiritual light can I bring to God's people on Sunday morning about this Palm Sunday dilemma? What are we supposed to do? And you know where I found some spiritual light for us this morning? Right here in Matthew's Gospel. Because Matthew's gospel has the key to opening up and answering that Palm Sunday dilemma. Should we join the cries of the crowd or not? And this is Matthew's answer to it. He actually interprets for us the events of Palm Sunday. And of all the evangelists, he's the only one that does it. And this is what he says. This is our key verses for today. He says, this took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet, say to daughter Zion, see your king comes. Now that might seem like nothing to you, what he says there, but it's everything. Because Matthew's no dummy. Matthew knew the Old Testament. He knew it backwards and forwards. In fact, of all the evangelists, you know who quotes the Old Testament the most? 
It's Matthew. And he knew full well what Zechariah had written. He knew that Zechariah had written, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. See your king comes to you. Do you see what Matthew did there? He made a strategic and a pastoral change. He doesn't have the people rejoicing on Palm Sunday, does he? He doesn't have the people shouting on Palm Sunday, does he? Instead, what he says is say to daughter Zion. So what he does, he takes his pastoral hand and he claps it over your mouth. And he says, no shouting, no rejoicing, not here, and not now. So this is what we have here. What we have in Matthew's gospel is Palm Sunday muted. And this makes sense. It makes sense considering the fact that Jesus was on his way into Jerusalem. And, okay, maybe that seems like an insignificant detail, but it's not. Because if you're following the Jesus story, what you already know is that Jesus said, not once, not twice, not three times, but four times, I'm going to Jerusalem. You know why? I'm going to Jerusalem to suffer and to be flogged, to wear a crown of thorns, and then to die. And now, I'm not going to say that I'm some sort of cultural expert on these things. But look, I don't know any kind of culture that thinks that it's a good idea to cry out and to shout and to have some sort of party when somebody's headed to the electric chair. I just don't think that's ever culturally appropriate to think that, wow, let's cheer for this guy who's about to die. And so it makes sense, doesn't it? I mean, what happened on Palm Sunday, the only thing I can compare it to would be somebody setting up a disco ball and ordering a DJ right outside of the palliative unit in the hospital where all the cancer people there are dying. It just seems wrong. And so what Matthew does is he doesn't have the people shouting and rejoicing. What Matthew does is he claps his pastoral hand over our mouths and he says, just get quiet. Just get quiet on Palm Sunday. I think there's something deeper going on here, something deeper than it just being culturally inappropriate though, don't you? Can you put your finger on why Matthew would decide not to have us rejoicing and shouting on Palm Sunday? I mean, why does he cut off your rejoicing? Why does he say to you, just get quiet on Palm Sunday? Why does he want you to stop cutting down palm branches? Do you think it's because he wants us to feel the weight of it? 
you think he, it's because he wants us to understand that maybe you haven't raped anybody recently and maybe you haven't murdered anybody recently, but still that he wants you to feel the weight of your sins and know, and know that's why Jesus wrote. He thinks that's why. So that you would know without any kind of doubt in your heart that it wasn't that guy or that lady over there, that me, that caused him to ride like that. Do you think that's why, do you think that's why Matthew claps his pastoral hand over our mouths and he says, just get quiet, so that we could, we could feel that as Jesus rides in? Or do you think there's something else going on there? I think there's something else going on there because certainly Jesus isn't the type of person to rub our nose in our sins. What I think Matthew is saying is that he wants all of you to be quiet. That there would be a sort of a pall over the crowd so that you could begin to hear just one voice. Because Matthew does have one voice crying out, doesn't he? He's got one person among the whole crowd that he wants to have talking to you. And that's me. That's what he says, isn't it? He says, say to daughter Zion. And you know what he wants me to say to you? In your quietness on your Palm Sunday that has suddenly become muted, what he wants me to say to you is, see your king comes to you. And he doesn't come to put you once again underneath this tyrannical grip. He doesn't come to you so that you can feel the heaviness of your sins. He doesn't come to you so that he can condemn you. What he does is he comes to you gentle. This is your God. He's the kind of God who gets on a donkey and he comes to you gentle so that you can know that despite all of your sins and the heaviness of it, that you can go up to him and say, Jesus, have mercy, and he will have mercy. Because that's who he is. See, your king comes to you. And I think, I think that as we begin Holy Week, there's no better pastoral counsel than that. I just don't think there is. I, I think that as we begin Palm Sunday that we just need to get quiet. We need to get really, really quiet and just see Jesus. During the whole week, really, during Holy Week, I think that's really good advice, that we would just get quiet and just watch. We'll watch and we'll see and we'll hear as he institutes his supper for the forgiveness of sins. We'll watch as he goes before the tribunal, this innocent man, and as he's condemned to die. We'll watch as he hangs bloodied, and crowned with thorns for us, and we'll just let our mouths gape at the love, at the salvation that is there. 
And trust me when I say it, you'll know when it's time to start shouting again. You'll know. You'll know it from the tips of your toes to the top of your head. You'll know it from the depths of your soul when it is time to start shouting again and rejoicing again. And when you know it, join your voice with mine. Join your voice with mine and say, He is risen. My sins are gone. My Savior lives. But until then, before you know it, from the tips of your toes to the top of your head, before you know when it's time to shout, just get quiet. Clap your hand over your mouth and watch your King. Watch with Him and pray with Him and then rejoice with Him. Amen.